0: You, you find something that you already have. And, and that's also common to Eckenkar is that we're already spiritual beings. We don't have to become something that we're not <laughs> now. You know, in, like just in discussion or conversation, it's not uncommon to hear someone say, oh, so-and-so is very spiritual or, oh, I'm not spiritual. Well, in fact, everybody is 100% spiritual. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Rich Life Realization Podcast. This is your host, Rich Life. Yes, that's really my name. And we're going to explore powerful conversations with phenomenal guests in order to spark realizations and insights that guide you toward enriching your life. Well, I have a special guest with me here today on the Rich Life Realization Podcast. Welcome to Chris Gage. Welcome, sir. Thank you very
0: much, Rich. Yeah, it's a to be here. I, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be a guest on your podcast. Uh, you and I met recently at the uh, a New Age fair or expo, and uh, had a good conversation. And glad to follow that up
1: yes beautiful and we will be discussing a spiritual understanding today chris is a a practitioner of ekancar it's a a spiritual practice and we we had a lot in common with because i i study the the philosophical teachings of sydney banks or the three principles and so we'll we'll talk about similarities we'll talk about differences and we'll have We'll have some fun today. Great.
0: (laughs) But I I would like to mention up front that I am not an official spokesperson for Ekincar. Sure. I've been a member of this organization for my entire adult life. So I feel pretty confident or comfortable of my familiarity with it, but my understandings are my own. And so I just want to make that point that um, I'm I'm not uh, an official representative. but I, I got involved in Akincar, uh in the 1970s, actually. I uh, went through a period of my life where I was uh, experimenting with different spiritual approaches. Um, some of those experiments involved uh, uh, recreational drugs, which I then uh, subsequently gave up and have not really been involved with um, for the last 45 or 50 years, but at the time, that was uh, part of my life experience. What I found was I was familiar with the drug experience, but it, it kind of booted me into other experiences that I was not really necessarily prepared for, didn't have any real understanding of. And um, it put me on a quest to, to attain a better understanding of what was going on in my experience. So I started reading um, Eastern teachings, Hinduism and Buddhism and some others um, with the idea that my own background, which you know I'd been exposed to uh, Christianity as a kid and, you know, went to church and everything. But that didn't really seem to be, for me, um, a source that I could go to for greater insight into the experiences I was having. I, yeah. So um, I, I enjoyed the readings that I did. And um uh, you know found some of them very valuable but they didn't quite hit it for me uh, i found that the traditional scriptures for me were couched in a lot of symbolism and it, it didn't seem like real direct actionable uh, content that that i was looking for or a clear explanation of my experience so uh in that phase and i don't want to spend a lot of time on this but i at one point i had a, a very vivid dream experience Uh, which was unlike other dreams I'd ever had. In the dream, I was walking in a procession of people through a mountainous area, and uh, there were guides present who were directing us to a building that was in the distance, kind of a a castle or palace-looking building. And we were trying to get to it. And when I did, I, I went inside, and the floor of this building had a very ornate mosaic tile pattern. And I had the intuition that if I did a somersault over a certain portion of this mosaic pattern, that I would fall through a trapdoor in the floor into a more secret chamber. And I didn't have a lot of uh, recall of what occurred after that. But this was not the kind of dreams that I'd been accustomed to. I'd never had a dream like this, yeah. but it, it stuck in my mind. Um, at the same t- around the same time, I had uh, purchased some books on Eckankar, but I had not yet read them. I was reading uh, some books on Tibetan Buddhism and wanted to finish those up before I went on to to read the Eckankar books. And I, I had uh, kind of a strong intuition at one point to uh, start reading one of the, the books on Eckankar, And in it, when I got a little way into the book, it described the dream experience that I had had. Hmm. Um, not verbatim, but really close, so close enough that I recognized that this was not um, just coincidence. And that that made a big impression on me, you know. Um, I'd also like to add, uh, possibly I should have said this earlier, Echenkart does not purport to be like the one and only spiritual teaching that everyone should be doing. That is certainly not the case. There are tons of different approaches. I think the main thing for those interested is to find one that works for you because we're all separate individuals with our own backgrounds, our own understandings, and, uh, you know, what – what works for me might not be the best one for somebody else, but um, this fit me well. And I've, because of that, I've stuck with it through the years. I've um, now, I'm approaching 50 years. Uh, as,
1: wow. uh, as back
0: in car. Uh, and I've never felt that I've gotten to a point where I had run out of things that I could learn. One of the key elements that uh, I just like to mention is that while there is an outer organization of, uh, back in car and uh, there are books available and classes and so forth the real focus and and the real crux of the teaching is on a uh, personal spiritual experience so mm-hmm. you know you can lo- read information and that can be helpful for both um, inspiration and and some type of guidance i suppose but what makes it real is when you experience it yourself and the experiences that are available not only to people in Akinkar, but to any human being, involve going within yourself to experience divine spirit or Holy Spirit or whatever term you might use for that, Mm -hmm. that force that sustains everything that exists. You can experience this very directly within yourself. And the two elements or the two aspects of spirit that can be perceived directly are inner light and inner sound. Uh, And I think that Many teachings, I mean, I know many teachings focus on the inner light and mention it and focus on, you know, on that to to a great extent. Fewer uh, highlight the inner sound, but that is the other aspect of spirit that can be perceived directly. And the the point in making this inner contact with, with spirit is that it is the repository of all wisdom. It is omniscient. And by having a direct experience with it, it, it can bring about really much more, I'd say rapid uh, changes or, or a, a more rapid unfoldment of consciousness than might be available to someone uh, who, who has not learned these techniques or had other experiences. Now, I'm actually, um, Rich, I know from our discussion that, um, your approach that that you're currently following has to do with the three principles that were mm-hmm. uh, uh brought up by sydney banks and i i did uh watch a, a video presentation of sydney banks talking about his experience of enlightenment and i was interested to see that there is a, a great deal of common ground between what he was talking about and what i've learned through ekinkar so it's not that any one approach has a monopoly on this stuff and that that is as you would expect, because it's universal. We all have, yeah. we all have um, the potential for these experiences if we find a way to, to go about doing it. I'm going to pause there because you might... <laughs> I don't know if you have some, <laughs> some things that you'd like me to focus on or that you wanted to react to. Hmm.
1: Well, I, I especially liked the, the point that you said to, that you look within and that's something that Sid Banks always talks about, is, is looking within and that you'll find all of your answers within you, within that space of, of inner wisdom, of, like you said, whatever you want to call it. You can have different labels, but it's, it's all pointing to the same truth, the same universal intelligence, universal spirit, universal... Electricity,
0: yeah, yeah, sure. Um, something that I, you know, this is a quite a broad topic, and it's not always easy to think of the right sequence to bring up topics. You know, they sort of come to mind. But, (laughs) but a a thing that I'd like to highlight is the idea and the reality of working with spiritual guides or teachers within Mm -hmm. oneself. Uh, So, we. In the human form are familiar with our physical bodies, and you know we we you know no need to dwell on that uh, but that's not who we truly are. We are spiritual beings with physical bodies and with emotions and and with mental faculties and mm-hmm. emotional faculties but we the true self is not that the true self is an eternal spiritual being, and uh in Echenkar and in many other teachings. A key focus is on experience that brings about a recognition of one's own divinity <laughs> one's own true spiritual nature, yeah and as we are well i 'll say that the experiences in life are regarded as essentially a school that we go through um, lifetime after lifetime of you know various experiences in order to learn to give and accept love and specifically divine love. And that is something that comes about through experience, but also more directly or in a more accelerated way through these experiences with divine spirit that I mentioned, the inner light and sound. But as we are, uh, for the most part, folks who are here physically incarnated are still in school, still learning uh, (laughs) this kind of thing. There are beings who have been through enough of this process of spiritual enlightenment or education that they are now in a position to act as guides or teachers or inner masters uh, for the benefit of others and so i think this is common knowledge these days in our culture you know the idea of uh, inner guides inner teachers some people call them guardian angels you know a lot of a lot of different terminology but the idea is that there are beings who can guide us and and assist in our endeavors to to learn um or or i, I learn is maybe not quite the right term but to uh open to spiritual reality um, but the it's important to if one is interested in working with a guide and if that guide is i would say legitimate and a true spiritual teacher <laughs> that guide will not impose on you. Oh yeah. You have to make the invitation and then be open to it. Uh, if it seems too scary for you and you don't really in some recess of your mind feel comfortable with it, it's unlikely that an experience will come through for you because you have to both invite the the relationship and then be open to the relationship. And I I know that there are Lots and lots of people who who are aware of their inner teachers or inner guides, and that is a, a key part of Eckankar. There, there is a. Uh, I'll have be on a brief tangent here. I <laughs> I don't expect that anyone will necessarily accept everything I have to say. I don't I don't encourage it. Uh, I the information I can share is from my understanding and my experience. But until. Until it's your experience, I don't I don't think it's a good idea to accept it as truth. You might accept it as information that you can test yeah. on your
1: own. Pick it up. Big friend. Pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Pick it up, so, take a look at it. Exactly. And it's okay if it doesn't resonate with you now.
0: Perfectly okay. You know, mm-hmm. we're
1: we're you know, spirit is not in any rush. We <laughs> we are uh
0: you know sometimes in the human state we we Worry about or, or are concerned about. Oh, am I making spiritual headway? Am I am I doing enough? And you know, I think that's a reasonable uh, perspective. But spirit doesn't care if if it takes um, you know a, one lifetime or a hundred lifetimes. It's all it doesn't matter. You know. So we'll we'll all we'll all attain spiritual realization at some point. That's that's the nature of life and the nature of who we are as spiritual beings and uh, the experiences that each of us have are unique to us but so the getting back to the point about the inner teachers uh, there is a, a order or group of inner teachers who are specifically focused on making this these experiences of inner light and sound available and uh, in the 1960s this is my understanding, they mm-hmm. uh, regarded the culture in, in the world to be a, at such a point that there were enough people who would benefit from learning about this, that these teachings were brought out openly because prior to that, they'd been on a more individual basis from one, one teacher to
1: mm-hmm.
0: his you know, group of students or whatever. Um, so uh, there is um, a spiritual leader, of Akinkar, uh, who is neither worshipped nor deified, but uh, is regarded as someone who, who has great insight. And actually, this this individual can work with people, both outwardly and inwardly. So mm. his physical body is like our physical bodies, nothing special. But the being who is resident in that body has the capability to work with people if they are interested in that. And again, that's something that one would, I suspect, accept only if they have an experience with with the person. That I mean, <laughs> that would make sense. Um, so let's see where to go from here. Um,
1: well, I I think too that that there is that that love that that spiritual divinity underneath, and we can we can cover it up. So in in the principles understanding, you're you're covering it up by your own thinking. You're you're using the the creative power of thought against yourself, and and you're creating this this fog or this layer over the top of your own knowing, yes, and your own divinity and that 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 experience of divine love, mm-hmm. and that there there's there's not really there is guides in, in that you can help other people see it
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can trigger it but it it never comes for it's not transactional no it never comes from one person from from teacher to student really it's it's you're seeing it within yourself and you wouldn't you wouldn't have those experiences you wouldn't have that realization if you didn't see it within yeah. yourself, yeah. and so i don't yeah, I don't know uh what it takes in order for that to happen maybe maybe a little bit of the the layers have to be peeled off. I don't know, maybe that some people start to become attracted to it because Sid banks said that everybody is seeking enlightenment, whether mm-hmm. they know it or not.
0: Right. I, I certainly agree with that. Yeah. Um, you know, that I, I didn't mention the name of the spiritual leader of That mm-hmm. his, his name is Harold Klemp, um, and he resides in Minnesota. So just, <laughs> just FYI. Um, but one of the quotes that I like a lot from from his writings is... There is no limitation, except for the limitations you have made for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it sounds oh, yeah. like that's very consistent with oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, perspective as well. You know, we we create these matrices, I suppose, of thought form, and then we live within those. We we create um, identifications, and um, well, essentially, I don't want to. I think the right way to say this: we we get a perception of who and what we are, and that's that's um, molded, I would think, from to a large extent what we what we what others reflect back to us of mm-hmm. their impressions, and then we accept those impressions as being, you know, the the uh, parameters of ourself, and we we have some idea of who and what ourself is and it's you know i'm not saying that that's not accurate to a degree but it's not the true self which is the mm. spiritual being uh so within the, the the mental construct of what i would call maybe the little self are all kinds of limitations you know of you know not being comfortable with going beyond you know uh what's already known and familiar um I, you know, we don't have to get into all all of the limitations, but the the, the key here, and that, first of all, one thing I, I wanted to mention, I totally agree with you is the, the process of enlightenment cannot be transmitted from, mm-hmm. like, verbally or given to someone it's it's a an experience that must that the individual must have for himself or herself. Yeah. Um, the the guides can point the way, and uh, have insight into what might bring about an experience, and perhaps provide that kind of guidance to bring you to that point. Then it's up to the individual to take that step, and and that's kind of one of the points where that I'm referring to it, in these limitations that most people I think are burdened with our minds are very comfortable working in in patterns and routines that that are known and are typically less comfortable in going beyond that and you know to to sort of take a step off into the deep end without quite understanding what might (laughs) occur can take some some practice and some nerve but it's also something that can Occur, I would say, for the individual uh, through, well, in a sense, through practice. I mean, by by using spiritual techniques over over a period of time, one can get more comfortable and more familiar with what to expect, and then the the resistance to having those experiences can break down because if you you know. Jump in the pool at six feet and it's okay. Then maybe the next day you can go at seven feet and find out. Well, nothing really bad happened. And yeah, you know, the metaphor could continue. But um, I, I do think and this is uh, a key thing for that I consider to be very important. There are there are many different approaches to uh, going within oneself. Different types of meditation, prayer. Some people get a lot out of reading scripture the point that i think is key is that whatever one chooses or whatever one finds that works well for them if you do it regularly it's going to work out better for you you know if you're if you're trying to learn a musical instrument like say piano (laughs) and you sit down to practice once a month you're not going to learn it very fast because not only are you not putting in the time but also through through doing it you learn nuances and techniques that cannot really be given to you. You learn them on your own, similarly to what we were saying about uh, enlightenment not being available as a transmitted experience. One learns how to go about negotiating the inner side of things by being there and by doing it, and and it's, um, well, I would, Again, just say that whatever approach somebody uses, if if it's done regularly, it tends to be more effective. <laughs> um, I, I think at this point, if you're okay with it, I'll, I'll mention a technique that's used a lot in Eckankar, and it's sure um, um, it, it's available to everybody. It, it's harmless. Um, I think most people who would be interested in listening to this podcast have come across the idea of chanting and specifically chanting ohm, which is. You know, a syllable or a mantra that's used a great deal in Hinduism and in some of the other Eastern teachings. Another syllable that can be used or another mantra is the word hue, which is spelled H U, just pronounced like the color or the hue of a color or the guy's name, hue. Um, and the technique is very simple. It would involve uh, going someplace where you're not likely to be disturbed for a little while, 10, 15 minutes. Um, sit comfortably with your eyes closed. If you like yogic positions, that's fine, but it's not necessary. Whatever's comfortable is great. Um, You would just close your eyes and then sing or chant this syllable, this word, hue. When I do it, it sounds like this. It would go, hue. Long drawn out vocal expression. And you do that for as long as you feel like it. But if you did it for three to five minutes, that would be plenty. It doesn't even have to be that long. But you, you would, this is a, a way of harmonizing your personal vibration, because we all have a, a vibratory rate. This singing or chanting of mantric syllables can serve to harmonize your personal vibration with that of that particular syllable, which different syllables or different mantras derived from different planes or or levels of the inner worlds. Uh, And so chanting hue for a little while, and then continue to sit with your eyes closed. And you may see some light on the inner screen of your mind uh, at the point between the eyebrows known as the third eye. Mm -hmm. Um, That that can come through as little flashes of light or a prevalent color or other ways, but uh, it's an inner light, nothing to do with your physical eyes. And then similarly, there can be an inner sound, which is not coming from the environment or through your physical ears. And it can take different forms or different, it can sound similar to a high pitch ringing in your ears, not tinnitus, but it, mm. it, it's like a, a an electrical hum. It's, it's not coming, like if you plug your ears, you'd still hear it. It could also sound similar to different sounds of nature or musical sounds. But these are ways that one can make direct contact with spirit and and in a conscious way. And if you succeed in, and it may or may not happen the very first time you try it. So uh, (laughs) if this is of interest, it's something that you could try over time. But if you get to the point where you're able to tune in to these two aspects of spirit, you sort of have an intuition or you, it would come upon you in in my experience of, how to work with it and how to try to open yourself to it to a greater extent and to experience it more completely or more directly, essentially to sort of follow it toward its source, which is the Godhead. Um, So this is uh, something that is a
1: a key aspect of Ekinchar,
0: is these inner experiences Mm -hmm. of light and sound.
1: and and it's kind of interesting because the the principles is is kind of goes about it in a different way there's not really a a practice I I told you last time that they had a a a book Michael Neal showed us this book that a principles practitioner made that was the techniques of the principles and then it was blank it was
0: okay yeah
1: Yeah. right Right. (laughs) and and it's it's a little bit different because it's not a a technique to get to the the source it's it's more kind of in the moment experience it's more of an understanding of the Mm -hmm. principles are really just kind of a description of the what's already there it's the, the description of the mind consciousness and thought that make up our reality mm-hmm. and yeah it's 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 cool if you can find like a doorway through a practice and and for me it's because I tried a, a lot of different practices and it, it like like you said wow this resonates with me I experienced this and mm-hmm. and I tried a lot of different practices and I didn't really get what I was looking for from it and and it's been this understanding that has has given me the the peace that I'm I am so at peace up here and because it's kind of ironic because you're you're not trying to get rid of thoughts but it's it's almost like a, a secondary benefit
0: yeah yeah well I you know I think that's great and and like we said earlier there are so many different approaches because they all work for some somebody. Yeah, they, they wouldn't exist. Thank goodness. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, one of the things that I I I was taking some notes from the video of Sydney Banks uh, talking about his enlightenment experience, and uh, one of the points that I wrote down, which I liked a lot, was you have to find your own switch to put that light on. Light mm-hmm. is that white light I was talking about. Yeah. So whatever whatever approach it ta- is right for you it's great yeah. you know there was a um i don't know man I'm dating myself i'm sure but there was a, a john lennon song whatever gets you through the night it's all right and this was one of his solo songs and it, one of the lyrics is whatever gets you to the light it's all right mm. you know um and you know i think that that is um i think that's important and true um here's another element that we haven't talked about yet um, another aspect of the Eckenkar teachings is a focus on dreams, mm-hmm. because dreams can be uh, a very valuable approach, very productive approach to spiritual enlightenment. Um, obviously, there are many kinds of dreams. I think our English language is a little deficient, because anything that happens while you're sleeping, any, any experience you might have, is all called a dream. But there are different kinds of dreams. Um, I sometimes mention to folks when at one point in my younger days I had a job at the pizza hut and I I made pizzas for a living. (laughs) I'd I'd have a 10-hour shift of making pizzas. Then I'd go home and go to bed and I'd make pizzas for the rest of the night because it was such repetitive activity (laughs) that it was just ingrained in my mind and I I would continue to have that. So I didn't consider those to be particularly significant dreams. On the other hand, There are dreams of um, there are dreams that give some kind of premonition of the future. There can be dreams uh, giving insight into past lives or what's mm-hmm. going on in current life, and there can also be dreams where you work with your inner guide. So Eckankar does have a quite a direct focus not only on outer spiritual practices but also on paying attention to one's dreams. When when the conscious mind is asleep, uh, it, it well I say when it when it's active when it's alert or awake, it it has kind of a sensor function. It tends to reject information that would oblige it to make big changes. Mm-hmm. But when when the individual is sleeping, that sensor is not really on guard to the same extent, and the dreams that can come through can be very direct, they can also be very confusing. Because one's own higher self, one's, um, well, the divine you, may wish to to bring insights out to the conscious mind and can do so in dreams. But in order to avoid this sensor function, the information or the insights that are being, um, I would say, brought out are. Uh, Sometimes scrambled, so they're hard to understand. They're they are they are symbols that uh, you know might not be clear. But and not everybody has good recall of dreams, so it's very you know it's whatever fits the individual. But for those who are interested in dreams, and perhaps and I know a lot of people are, and and maybe do have good recall. keeping a journal of your dreams can be very effective because you can start to find repeating symbols. Uh, You know, you can go to any bookstore and get a a book of a thousand dream symbols interpreted and so Mm -hmm. forth. And those might be accurate, but they might not because it's not the, the case that each symbol is the same or the meaning of each symbol is the same for everybody. But if you, if you start to, See symbols in your own dreams that repeat. You can sort of crack the code, like in wartime when they intercept enemy <laughs> messages, and if the same uh, word comes up, the coded word comes up over and over, they can start to crack the code. And uh, the same is true of of um, dreams. Uh, so, just wanted to bring that up that that, that is oh. another
1: aspect. It, and kind of what my my maybe a, my thoughts on that would be that they're kind of like tea leaves Mm -hmm. in that you can have your intuition, your inner wisdom tell you what comes of that. But you, you could also kind of go down a rabbit hole too, I think. And, uh, well, and, and this brings up another, uh, thought, that a lot of what Sid, Sid talked about was, that there was a realization that there was one thought, and he said that that mental stability, peace of mind, is one thought away from everyone on earth, and, it, and it's it's either a million miles away or it's right next to you in the next second, and it it's it's the right thought, and so it's it's kind of fun. It's it's like finding the right thought and it's not something that you can you can do with your intellectual mind mm-hmm. you you can't say okay i'm having my one thought it it comes from that inner space of wisdom from from within right. and that he had one thought and it those three principles came to him and it it's for me, it's happened a little bit differently. It's happened more in in smaller increments. Where I've had real realizations, especially in my relationship, mm. it's yeah. been yeah. And and one of the thoughts would w- didn't have any words with it. It it doesn't have to have words. It can come from. From that wisdom, and that wisdom speaks to you sometimes with no words, even with the feeling
0: that's it's interesting to me that you bring that up because that's been a uh, perspective or insight that I've had as well that when conscious thought occurs, it's typically expressed in the language that you use, whether it's mm-hmm. English or I'm sure. You know, I don't have to say, I'm sure I know that it's, if you speak another language, your thought comes through in those, <laughs> in that language. But before it gets to the point of being crystallized into verbal expression, into words, there is, um, I don't know what to say, like a prototype thought or a, a, an earlier, less formed thought that then is expressed into words. And I found that trying to get comfortable with working at that level of of not depending on verbal thought mm-hmm. is a higher aspect of mental activity uh i i find or i, I regard it as that um you had said something else but now it's escaped me um he, he, oh i know what it was so yeah another thing that that uh was in the sydney bank's uh video uh, had to do with wisdom doesn't enter it unfolds not mm-hmm. outside in but inside out yes, and he says um, you you find something that you already have and and that's also common to Eckenkar is that we're already spiritual beings we don't have to become something that we're not (laughs) now you know in like just in discussion or conversation it's not uncommon to hear someone say oh so and so is very spiritual or oh i'm not spiritual well in fact everybody is 100 spiritual (laughs) you know it's the degree of recognition varies with the individual but it's not like it's reserved for certain people or someone who's, you know, uh high up in some religious order is more spiritual than, than anybody else. We're all a hundred percent spiritual. And and uh you know that recognition I'm trying to think how to, just how to say this and I, I, I may be going down a little tangent, but um it occurs if If one has the idea that it's necessary to get to something that or get to a a, a state of awareness that you don't already have access to then you've you've allowed for uh, a gap that cannot be crossed and, and so here's here's uh, an illustration that I sometimes use when I'm talking to people. I don't know how many people remember high school math. I, I don't remember everything about it, but I, I remember taking it and I remember some of it. So I think it's trigonometry, I don't know for sure, but there was a uh, a concept um, of um, an asymptote, which is a curved line in, if you had an XY grid and the curved line approaches the axis, but never gets to the axis. It gets oh. infinitesimally closer and closer yeah. to the axis, but yeah, it yeah. never intersects the axis. I remember when I was in math class, I was thinking, oh, what the hell do you need this for? What what is the the purpose of learning this particular piece of information?" But I think it has spiritual applicability. In that, uh, if if you think that you're on this curve of approaching something, as long as you're approaching it, you're not there. And and there was there was a just to dwell on this a little bit longer, there was a, a Greek philosopher who was not one of the better known ones, but his, his name was Zeno, Z-E-N-O. Mm-hmm. And he had um, uh, illustrations or little parables that seemed to render impossible certain uh, physical uh, observable events. So here's the example. So he said that if if an archer shoots an arrow at a target the arrow can never can never reach the target and the reason for this is that in order to get from the archer to the target it first has to go through half the distance but before it can go through half the distance it has to go through a quarter of the distance and before it can go through a quarter it has to go through an eighth of the distance and it it keeps going uh to infinity you mm-hmm. in order to get to any place, it has to get through half of the place, and you can subdivide that half distance as many times as you want. So he said the arrow can never reach the target. Well, in, a, in observable three-dimensional life, obviously that's not true. You you can shoot an arrow at a target and it can get there. But in the in the inner experience, if you accept that there is some distance in between you and your objective, you can never get through that distance because you've Mm. you've accepted that there is a gap so i i just thought that's sort of an interesting thing and (laughs) the 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 key point here is that what as you mentioned uh the experiences of spirit are they don't occur in time or Mm -hmm. space they are above or beyond time and space and to access them It can seem to take time and practice to get to the point where those experiences are available to one. But that's because it takes a certain amount of time, I suppose, to release oneself from self-imposed limitation and allow those experiences to (laughs) come manifest in one's own consciousness.
1: Well, it's, it's as far away or as close as... It, when he said that that it's a million miles away or it's two seconds away or or even less than that he means that because it's made of thinking it's made of thought mm-hmm. that the, those self imposed limitations are either solid and they're something that we we hold on to, and we can do that for the rest of our lives, or they can dissipate and and immediately be released through a single realization because they 're made from thinking and yes. and thinking doesn't follow the same rules as as the real world as the arrows as the coffee cups it you're right. you're it right. doesn't follow the same rules, and so when you realize that there's no gap, then you're already there and yeah. you you but the thing is, you've always been there. Exactly. You <clears throat> just put the the gap there with with the power of your own creative thought.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's like waking up to something that already exists. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, actually, I, I, here's another little note that I took from the Sid Banks video. He says, "It's not personal. We're talking about a spiritual essence that lies." deep within the soul of everybody on earth yeah clear, clear your mind to let the wisdom in
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that is totally consistent with Ekankar as well
1: yeah yeah um and i i think i told you last time about a, a feeling too that there's there's a feeling that comes along with this uh, I, I i it's so fascinating that you have the the light and sound and, and for, for the principles, there's, there's this feeling that comes up. I see it as, as feeling that comes from that, that mind, mind, by mind, I mean, the universal intelligence, the electrifying force, there's a feeling that comes from that. Mm -hmm. And it's, you can't describe it. Like you, you, it's very difficult to describe, but it's, it's there. And, and when I try to talk about the principles, it it sometimes comes and sometimes not. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think
0: if I'm grasping what you're referring to, for me, it's, it's like a, a vast expansion of consciousness. It's, Mm. it's no longer being identified with the limited self, but, being identified, uh, uh, allowing, one's allowing myself to to recognize that I'm one with spirit, um, and and like you say, you can't really put it into words, but it, it does. One way that it sometimes comes through is it just feels like, wow, I'm like a lot bigger than I thought. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. But For me, sometimes it's just this breakthrough of of jubilation and joy, and just yeah. like I, I and when it comes, I'm grateful, and and it doesn't always come. It it's, it seems yeah. to be come with with maybe certain thoughts, and and that's that's how we really know that you're. I and I will say this again and again because on repeat because you can use your thoughts as a guide connection. now because yeah. when when it feels bad when it feels bad emotionally that's one of your guides that telling you that your thinking is off yes that you're not connected with that wisdom that you're covering it up like ice or fog with your your own own personal wisdom and so you don't have to banish thoughts you can let them, they're, they're, they're going to go on their own if you let them.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, something you just mentioned uh, brings to mind a- another point uh, regarding these inner teachers or guides. Mm-hmm. And that is that if if you are relating, if an individual is relating to an inner teacher or guide, the guidance will never be negative. It will never be harmful to you yeah. or anyone else. And if you're getting that kind of inner message, it's good to take a hard look at that because that's not coming from a real
1: uh, spiritual people. Yeah. If it feels horrible, yeah, that it's your thinking. It's, so yeah. it, it you might be having some really terrible thoughts, but it's not the external situation. Mm-hmm. It's your thinking, and you're not connected with your your inner guidance. Yes. Right.
0: Um, I guess uh, I don't know how much more time we have, but I'll I'll mention a couple of things. Sure. For anyone who might be interested in Ekinqar, and I'll I'll say, once again, that it's not um, a teaching that tries to push itself on anyone. It it is available. If people are interested, they can check it out. If it fits them, they can go as far with it as they wish. and they can cease involvement at any point uh and so just to bring that out but there are um there is an organization associated with it and for anyone who wants to know more about that I think um I think on your podcast or, or when you put this up you'll you'll have a, a website which yeah. I send to you mm-hmm. where people can follow up if they choose uh we do have A lot of activities or several things going on uh, in northern Colorado. I'm particularly active in the Loveland area, but um, there's another small group of folks uh, in Longmont. And in Denver, we actually have uh, one of only a a relatively few uh, temples uh, that exist in the United States. So, that's Mm -hmm. um, in the Denver area. And uh, the website that I'm going to that you'll put up after I send it to you does give uh, information about all the available activities that people can check out if they wish, um, and uh, so anyone is welcome, and uh, no one will try to push it on you. <laughs> so.
1: so it's it's important to find this the space and and have that safe space for for any place that you would go to. I think a lot of people have found that some traditional churches and and, and are, are not the safe space that they want. And, and maybe some are, and people love that. And, Mm -hmm. and that's beautiful. And, and maybe they'll find that safe space in that community with, with other people with, with or the principles, or I, I love that, that there's so many options for finding something new and, and, what i suggest to our listeners is to really explore yeah you never know what's around the corner and you never know what will be your new home and you'll never know when you have that that next thought or the next community that will be there for you
0: yeah i i couldn't agree more um Once again, it's not one size fits all. It's find yeah. something that works for you. Yeah,
1: yeah. And um, and I think that, that we're seeing people value this. They're they're looking for this. Yeah. More and more because guess... they're they're, li- they're they're seeing through their lives and they're they're seeing through that the that something needs to change. Yes. And yeah. they they have it within them already, and and yeah. we would love to point that out and and show and just be like, it's right here. It's yeah. I know. The pot. There's the right. pot of gold. It's it's not at the end of the rainbow. It's it's right here. You yeah. you already have it.
0: Right. It's it's striking to me anyway that how how our culture has evolved, our Western culture, U.S., American culture, in the last 40 or 50 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, in the 1960s, this stuff was weird. You know, the, the, the idea of going within oneself, the idea, let's say, of reincarnation. These were foreign concepts, and, and people just thought, not everybody, obviously, but it was not widely accepted, and that has changed a great deal to the point where I, I actually... Uh, Had an opportunity on the last job that I had. The human resources department was um, uh, promoting or or they they organized different uh, little workshops and they had one on health and nutrition and exercise and so forth. And they wanted to do one on mindfulness. And I said, Well, I could lead that because I I know something about that. I I actually. didn't really know the exact definition of mindfulness, but I knew it had something to do with going within oneself. So I felt like I was pretty comfortable. With it. So I, I put together a, a, a little presentation. And it was an opportunity to share some perspectives with people, which I enjoyed. Um, but uh, in it, I was just making kind of the, the point of how, how our culture has changed. And there was um, there were little cartoons that I had. That This is crucial imp- information. but they were depicting people chanting om or om. And, and uh, in the earlier phase, like uh, 30, 40 years ago, it was like gurus sitting on mountaintops. And then uh, more recently, it's been uh, like a guy who was clearly a computer scientist because he was at a computer and classes <laughs> And it was dot, dot om instead of dot com. And there were <laughs> co- cows that were... Some were chanting om and some were chanting moo, <laughs> you know. So in <laughs> other words, it was it, it's so common in the culture that these these kinds of references, people get that now. It's it's like yeah. information mm-hmm. that's not strange to them. And I think that's a great thing. It just yeah, goes yeah. to show that uh, there is advancement of understanding. And um I'm all about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I that's I think that's a great place to to bring our conversation to a a, a beautiful end. Well, it's been a
0: pleasure. I, I <laughs> a I a really...
1: momentary end. I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll converse in the future. I, I certainly hope so.
0: <laughs> and and once again, I I really appreciate your invitation to, to be on this podcast. Uh, um, you know, hopefully, some of the things we talked about will will. Uh, have some value for folks and Yeah. they can, they can decide that and take it to whatever step they wish. Yeah. So. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. All Chris. right, Rich. Thanks a million. <laughs> I really appreciate it. See you.
1: Thank you for listening to the rich life realization podcast. May these conversations help you experience your richest life. To contact me about being a guest on the podcast or about coaching, email me richliferealization at gmail.com or text or call 970-716-0075.